day on a rainy day. And I appreciate Eric for helping Emma's in North Carolina with Kippy's family. Uh, some of you may not know her father uh, resigned after last Christmas in their home. Today, being uh, pastured in the Madison area for many, many years, decades, and he's my good friend. I love Dean Olive, love his family, his children, and his father and mother. Um, I served at the church. In fact, it was his church uh, for years. His uh, church kind of grew up at for a while, not technically, but for a while, I guess. And then uh, his father was the chairman of deacons there. And I just have uh, fond memories of that church and great friends with the Olive family. So pleased to see them today. I want to talk to you about wisdom again today on how to cultivate wisdom. We have uh, some scriptures for you. We'll show you up on the screen. We don't have an outline for you, but if you listen to it, I will give it to you. I have noticed something, maybe you've noticed this too, those of you that love sports, that many of the great coaches were not great athletes. Uh, They were good athletes, but many of them were just average athletes, but they weren't great athletes. Um, I use as an example Ted Williams. Ted Williams was the last baseball player that hit 400. I believe he hit 406. That means that every time, for every 10 at-bats he had, he had four hits. And uh, Ted Williams only coached four years, 1969, 70, 71, and 72. He coached the Washington Senators and the uh, Texas Rangers. In fact, one of those players that he coached was Donnie Mitcher. Donnie Mitcher helped establish the Huntsville Stars double-A baseball team here, played baseball with my father at Butler High School, was very close friends with my dad. And uh, anyhow, Ted was not a great uh, coach. In fact, his record, I, I looked it up, was as a coach was 273 wins and uh, 364 losses. I read stories where that uh, he would tell his players, and he was a tremendous hitter, uh, and the middle of his career, he went off to fight in World War II and um, lost, uh, I think, three or four years of his career and was uh, a first-rate Hall of Fame baseball player. But he would tell the players that he coached uh, when they would throw the curveball, the pitcher would. He'd say, well, I just I watch the laces on the, on the ball when it comes. Just watch the laces. You can tell what kind of pitch it is. And they would just look at him like he was an alien. He had incredible vision, and uh, so he, he had all of these gifts that did not translate into practicality. And so um, because of that, he, he couldn't coach. He could play, and he knew the game, don't misunderstand, but he did not know the game as other people knew the game. 
he was limited to communicate in practical terms because he could not translate it on every man's level. Now listen to this statement. Motivation without explanation results in frustration. I want to say that again. Motivation without explanation results in frustration. Now, you know who's worse at that than coaches? is preachers. Uh, preachers often get up and they tell people what they ought to do, uh, but they don't tell them how to do it. Uh, we've been talking about wisdom, and I want to talk to you again today about how to cultivate wisdom. And uh, we talk about the importance of wisdom. We talk about the fountain of wisdom. We talk about uh, being wise. And people nod in agreement, and then they leave the house of God. They get in their car, and they go home. And then they say, well, well how, do I, how do I grow in wisdom? How do I cultivate this quality in my life? And today I really want, as I've dealt with this for weeks and weeks now, I want to really get to down to a very fundamental level so that you can cultivate this quality that God has given for every child of God in your life. Now, um, here's really a, a statement that I want to give you because this is what I've been talking about for two weeks to lay the foundation for this message. That wisdom is found in a meaningful time alone with the Lord. It's found in other places, but for today's message, wisdom is found in a meaningful time alone with the Lord. If you do not have, and I phrase it that way on purpose, if you do not have a meaningful time alone with the Lord, you will never have God's heart. You will never have His wisdom. Wisdom is a byproduct. Now, wisdom is not just principles. Wisdom is a person. In the Old Testament, wisdom is personified, especially in the book of Proverbs. Um, it's called she. Wisdom is she because it's the Lord Jesus Christ crying from the concourses in the streets. Uh, wisdom is God. When you know God, you know wisdom. So when you know the Word of God and the God of the Word... You have wisdom at your access, but you must access wisdom. And wisdom is found in the Word of God, but it's found in a particular treatment of the Word of God. There are four actions I'm going to give you today that if you will take these actions on a consistent basis, please listen. It's not that you're listening and not listening, but I want you to get this so bad. Uh, it's like uh, incremental interest. Uh, in your account, when, when you put money into your bank, uh, just a little bit every day, and just every day, and then one day you wake up and, and you find that, hey, I, I have more money than I thought that I did. And when you have a daily and meaningful daily time alone with the Lord every day, with these four ingredients in it, you're going to discover over time that God has given you a wise heart. Now, in the book of Proverbs, uh, the word path and the word way, and their plurals, are used almost 100 times. Uh, wisdom involves choices, it involves consequences, it involves direction, it involves your walk. I, I love the phrase was said of Enoch, that Enoch walked with God. I, I just like that. It has the idea of progress. It involves uh, a daily thing. It's not a big thing. It, it's what I do when you shake hands with people. In church, it's that walk, it's that 
that momentary contact with one person. It's a walk with God. So the path of wisdom leads to life. A path of foolishness leads to death and destruction. And if you want to have a life full of joy and peace and life, then you're going to have to choose the life of wisdom, the paths of wisdom. And nobody wants destruction. You don't want spiritual death. You don't want confusion. Then you're going to have to interact daily with the Word of God. Now, let me give you uh, these things. Before we do that, let's look at the text. In Proverbs chapter 2, if you would, notice in verse 1. And you will notice these things as we go along. And I'll highlight some things. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 1. My son, if... I'd like for you to circle that or underline if. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if, there's a second if, these are conditional clauses. Thou criest after wisdom, or excuse me, after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding. Here's the third one, if... Thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as hid, hid treasure. So these are conditions. Now watch this. Then, so there's three ifs. There are three conditional clauses. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom. God gives wisdom. It comes out of its mouth. The Lord gives wisdom. He lays up sound wisdom. Look at this. For the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. Now I'm going to give you four four principles, four actions that you need to take when you open your Bible on a consistent basis. Number one, come to the Bible expecting something. Come to the Bible expecting expecting something. Now I want you to look and notice in verse 1 there when he says, if thou wilt receive my words. Receive my words. The word receive there is not passive. It's not just sitting back waiting. It's an active word. It means to seize or to carry away. My son, if you will seize my words, if you will carry away my words. Now listen carefully. God does not give wisdom to the person that just opens their Bible and even just reads their Bible. Now, that sounds heretical, but it's not. Uh, In fact, Satan knows the Bible from an academic sense better than you do, but he doesn't receive the Bible. This is not a passive word. It's an active word to seize upon, to have an openness to it. You, You must come to the Bible expecting something. You must receive God's commands. How many times have I said this to you through the years? It's not how many times you've been through the Bible, but how many times the Bible has been through you. So when you open the Bible, come to the Bible looking for something. God's speaking to you. Do you have a receptive heart? And again, let me go back to what I said. Wisdom comes to the person that has a meaningful time alone with God. That word meaningful is very important. 
And part of what gives it meaning is, is you have a receptive heart. You're coming to God looking for something. Now, there are two tools that, that I use, and you can use whatever you want to, but use something. But there are two things that I have used for many, many years. One is something called the One-Year Bible. And uh, I think Tyndale publishes it, I'm not sure, but the One-Year Bible, it's about $15. It may be cheaper, but about $15 you can get it on Amazon. And it just breaks down the Bible. Uh, for years, I just use uh, a little piece of paper. In fact, I think Dean gave, uh, gave it to me many years ago, uh, Robert Murray McShane's devotional plan. And I use that. That's a good way to do that. But I like the one-year Bible. And you've got about two, three chapters in the Old Testament, uh, a chapter in the New Testament, sometimes half of a chapter, sometimes a chapter and a half. And a psalm and a couple of proverbs. And uh, it's laid out for you. Now, if you have, listen carefully, if you have a melancholic temperament, uh, you're going to want to make sure that you just read every day. Now, do you remember what I told you a few weeks ago when we were talking about this? Again, it's not how many times you've been through the Bible. It's how many times you the Bible has been through you. Now, if you were to go home and open up my marker where it says one-year Bible, it would not say, today's the 9th, isn't it? It wouldn't say January the 8th or January the 9th. It's in the month of May. Because I just use it to get something out of it. Sometimes I don't even read through the whole day. Sometimes I'll just read a couple of chapters in there. Uh, a great preacher once said, he, someone asked him, they said, how much of the Bible do you read? He said, I read it till my heart burns. The whole idea there is you need to get something. I had rather for you to read 10 verses and profit from it than to read 10 chapters and close your Bible and check off and say, I read my Bible today. This is what it means to receive. This is receiving. This is seizing upon it. This is what the Bible means. And so if you want to do uh, and be, maybe I was about to say more disciplined, I'm pretty disciplined with it. Uh, it's okay if you want to do that. I probably need to read more, to be honest with you. I love the Word of God. But, but that's a good help. That has helped me. And I'm able to get through the Word of God about every year and a half or so. That's for me. And then there's a second help that I use. It's called With the Word by Warren Wiersbe, W-I-E-R-S-B-E. And that's about $15, too. Those are good investments for your soul. And you can get that on Amazon. And uh, that just breaks down and uh, in a very brief way. It's not a long commentary. That's not it. It's a devotional reading and a summary way of what you've just read of every chapter in the Bible. And it's outstanding. It's very abbreviated. But I'm telling you, that man has a gift for summarizing things in a profound way and in a very accurate way. I, I would commend those to you, and maybe that that would help you. So come expecting something. Come say, God, I want to receive something, because this is a conversation that you have with the Lord. It's not like reading a report. Now, those of you that read at work or you share at a computer all day, this is going to be difficult for you. Because, one, maybe you get tired of reading, or, or two, you just, you're so used to reading that you have a habit, of, you don't want to slow down. 
this past Wednesday night in our, our group next door, we were talking about uh, reproducing spiritually and uh, cultivating spiritual leadership in our lives and in the lives of others, making disciples. Uh, one of our men just uh, shared a really powerful testimony. And he said, you know, I used to not like to read, and uh, which is most men. Most men don't like to read. But he said, I, I decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn to like to read. Notice what I said, not to read. He could read, but I'm going to learn to like to read. And he said, now I have books in different places around the house. Now, you don't have to learn to, to have books around the house, but I'm going to tell you something. You need to learn to read the Bible. Learn to read the Bible. Get something from the Bible. Receive something from the Word of God. The Bible teaches in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that the Holy Spirit authored the Bible. And as a Christian, He indwells you. And you have the author of the Scriptures as your teacher. And when you read the Bible, God talks to you, and you have the Holy Spirit to teach you, John chapter 16 says. And then, as I said before, when you're reading this, it's a conversation. When you read the Bible, God talks to you. When you pray, you talk to God. And this is one reason it takes me a while to get through the Bible, because it's a conversation. And you'll be reading something. And right here, I just, my eyes dropped here, Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. And I, I just may, God may speak to me from that text. Honor the Lord. Honor means to glorify, to make preeminent. God, I, I have not made you preeminent in my life with, with my resources. You have given me time. You, you have given me resources. You have, you have given me money. You have given me energy. And, and Lord, the first fruits, the, the very first part of my time, the first part of my money, the first part of my day, God, I have not been giving these things. And it becomes a, a prayer. In this case, a prayer of confession. Or it could be a prayer of gratitude. God, thank you for my, my firstborn children. Thank you for the first days, the early days of my church or whatever. And it becomes a, a response to God of worship. You see, this is why some of you, you stopped reading the Bible because it got dry. Because what you do is honor the Lord with your substance, with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chase. And you just read. Slow down. Look, slow, slow down. Slow down. Slow down. And let God speak to you. Receive it. The Holy Spirit of God, through the Word of God, wants to speak to you. One of my favorite scriptures about the Word of God is John chapter 6 and verse 63. And here the Bible says, Jesus said of the Word of God, It is a spirit that quickeneth or makes alive that which was dead is resurrected. It gives life. The flesh profiteth nothing. And the Lord Jesus said, listen, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, they are life. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit, they are life. This is a living book, Hebrews 4.12. It speaks to, to the depths of your being. And when the Bible doesn't do this, it's not the Bible's fault. It's my fault because I'm not receiving it. It's the function of the Bible. 
to speak to me, to transform me, to help me. I remember when I, I surrendered my life fully to the Lord, that the first thing I did, the first thing I did, is I wanted to spend time with the Lord. I went back to, we were in a college dormitory, we had camp there, and we went back to the dormitory, and uh, it was on a Tuesday night, and I, I didn't know where to start, I just started in Mark. And I began to read in Mark chapter 1 and Mark chapter 2, and in that case, I just inhaled chunks. Mark chapter 3, Mark, and I'm telling you, it was like a lit fire in my belly. I, I just read and read. The next night, I read out of Mark, and I established a habit that week of reading. And most of the time, I'm being honest with you, most of the time of receiving, of seizing upon, not just of being passive, well, it's time to, Bible reading time, it's here's on my to-do list, okay, time alone with God. No, it's a meaningful time. Because remember, this is how to cultivate wisdom. The, by, the byproduct of this is wisdom. And we'll get to this in just a moment. So what is your plan? And what is your place? And better yet, what is your disposition towards God and His Word when you get to that place? Job said this in Job chapter 23 and verse 12, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of His lips... I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Did you hear that? I have esteemed God's words more than my necessary food. Here's what Job was saying. I value my spiritual appetite more than my physical appetite. I believe that's where Watchman Nee got his statement, no Bible, no breakfast. Now, that's not to be in a legalistic sense, but just in a sense that this is a value. It's no wonder that God said of Job that there is none like him in the earth. He was a righteous, he was a just, he was a godly man. And God said of him, there's none like him in the earth. And it was related to his relationship to the Word of God. He had a meaningful time along with the Lord. So, the first thing, if you're going to have wisdom, if you're going to cultivate this, you must come expecting something. You know, the secret to Bible study or to Bible reading is, is to look for something. You've got to look for something or to expect something. Number two, memorize God's Word. Now, <clears throat> it's easier to do the first thing than to do this. This is where most people fall off at it. But I want you to look in your Bible. In Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 1, My son, if thou wilt receive my words, now notice this, and hide, look at this, and hide my commandments with thee. Hide them. Uh, the word there means to store up. It, it has the idea of to hoard. It means to have a lot of. To store up. And to hoard, to hide them. The Bible talks about hiding the word in your heart. So come expecting something, then memorize the words of God. Hey, you want to have wisdom? Do you want to walk the path of the just? Do you want to walk the path of life? Or do you want to live a foolish life and make unnecessary mistakes? Then you're going to have to do this. And this is a joy. 
The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And here's what it says in all wisdom. Now listen, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. The word dwell there means to be at home. It means this is your habitat. This is where you live. It means the Word of God, is, you're so familiar with it. You're so engaged with it. You, you're, you see it every day. It just dwells with you. You're so familiar with it. Early on, I found that I was memorizing the Bible. Do you know how? I didn't even have a plan. I remember my mom told me one time, she said, you know a lot of Bible verses by memory. And, and later that day, I got to thinking, how am I doing this? You know how I was memorizing the Bible? I read the Bible a lot because the Bible dwelt in me. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And the word richly there means abundantly. There's just a lot of it. I listened to a lot of preaching. I I, I dwelt in the word of God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Listen to this in all wisdom. There's a relationship there. Take a line. Take a sentence. Write it down on the 3x5 card. If you can't memorize the whole verse, memorize just a line. Sometimes I'll memorize the summary of the verse. And then on the other side, and we do this for you, we give you the little bulletin. We'll take us. In fact, this is a scripture verse today, Colossians 3.16. And, and with a topic on the other side to help, help you to do that. You say, well, preacher, where, where do I get these verses from? Get them from your time alone with the Lord. The verses that jump out at you. And you say, well, I don't memorize well. Okay, well, just familiarize yourself. I'm not going to beat you over the head with it. Familiarize yourself with them. I remember when when our school was going through some, some very difficult days financially. And it was in June, and my, my chest was just hurting so bad. I came home, and I was laying on the couch, and I was watching the NBA playoffs. And my chest was tightening up, and it was constricting. And I was, uh, I was about 30 years old. And I told Paula, I said, I'm hurting. I'm not having a heart attack. That's what men always tell their wives when they, they think they are, but, but they're afraid to say it. And I said, I'm not, I'm not having a heart attack. I was only 30. Well, it went away. And then the next day, I came to the office right over here next door. And it came back, but it was worse. It was burning. It was hurting. So I called my doctor. And uh, I knew the nurse pretty well, Betty. And she said, you get in over here right now. So I went in over there. And what it was, it was stress. It was all the stress of the finances that was just weighing upon me. We couldn't pay people. We weren't getting paid. It was, it was, it was awful. It was so difficult. And so um, I was shaking, literally. I was shaking like this. And Betty came in. Betty's passed away now. I really liked her so much. She came in, and there was this emerald green injection. I have always asked people, now what is that? Most of it is not where 
you're not putting that in me. I'm just interested. I'm curious to learn things. What is that? But I, I was just so upset. She just put that in me. And right before she walked out the door, I said, well, she just gave me something. I, didn't. I said, what was that? She turned around and just real flat. She said, Valium. And I'm telling you what, it, it troubled me. It troubled me that I was a child of God. It troubled me that this was, this was bothering me. I'll tell you one thing about Valium, it works. <laughs> I called I, my wife. My wife called my dad because I couldn't drive home. You can imagine that. I went home. I slept for a long time. And I woke up. Now, listen to me. This is my spirit and the reason I'm telling you this. I said, this will never happen again. And so, uh, but it wasn't going to happen again because I, I was just willing it. Are you listening? This is wisdom. This is, this is God helping me through this. So what deals with this? Psalm 37. And so I, I wrote Psalm 37 out on cards. Verse 1 on the first card. Fret not thyself. Because of evildoers. Fretting is a sin. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Or they shall soon be cut down and so forth. And then I wrote down verse 2 and I wrote down verse 3. And I went down all the way through the whole chapter. And I memorized Psalm 37. And I'm not a good Christian because I memorized Psalm 37. I was a desperate Christian. I'd been pastor here for about seven or eight years, and I, I felt my spirit begin to get dry. And I said, I, I don't like this. I don't want to just go through the motions. What, what passage in the Bible deals with this? I thought about Psalm 51 deals with brokenness. Before I go to sleep at night, I wrote these verses down on cards. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. Blot out my transgressions. And I went down and I memorized Psalm, Psalm 51. And I, I had such a difficult time with the first three verses, not because they're easy to memorize, but because of, of how blessed they were. And God began to, to do a work in my heart through His Word. That the Word of Christ dwell in you abundantly. I came to our staff and as a staff we memorized Psalm 4 and, and different passages and said, I'd like for us to, to memorize a, a, a chapter or a book of the Bible. And we memorized James chapter 1 and James chapter 2 and James chapter 3 and James chapter 4, James chapter 5. Now, I'm not a good man. Our staff, they're not great people because of that. But listen, when you're desperate, when you're desperate, you come receiving God, teach me, teach me these things. And God, help me to hide, help me to, to, to resource this in my life. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 1, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 22, My son, attend to my words, incline thy, thine ear unto my sayings, let them not depart from thine eyes. Listen to this. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, 
and health to all their flesh. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 20 and 21. My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them, bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. Why did God choose Mary to be the mother of Jesus? Well, there's a number of reasons, but I can give you one. I think it was because of what I'm talking to you about now, because Mary had a sensitive heart to the things of God. It wasn't just a dutiful response, but a sensitive heart. When the shepherds came and they announced the coming of the Christ child there in the fields of Bethlehem, and the reports began to go around in Luke chapter 2 and verse 18 and 19, the Bible says, And all they that heard it, wondered at these things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary, listen, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. She kept these things and she pondered them. And 12 years later in the temple, when Jesus said, I must be about my father's business, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 51 And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Do you have a sensitive, a sensitive heart to the word of God? Is it, listen, is it meaningful or is it just, whoops, got through with that. I'm troubled sometimes. And it's better than nothing. I want to be careful what I say, but we just get five minutes to the Lord today. Just do five minutes. You'll never have wisdom. It's a good start. But at some point, there's there's got to be where you receive the Word of God. And you put your phone aside and turn the television off. And Jesus, rising up a great while before day, went out into a solitary place and there prayed. It was said of Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 19, And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. And did let none of his words fall to the ground. Thomas Manton said this. I love this quote. The end of study is information. Listen. The end of study is information. And the end of meditation is practice. Or work upon the affections. Now the way they use that word was, was the heart. It included the emotions, but but it was the soul of a man, the whole of a man. Study is like a winter sun that shines but warms not. But meditation is like a blowing upon the fire, the cultivating of the fire, where we do not mind the blaze but the heat. Now listen to this. The end of study is to hoard up truth. That's why so many people that are studious become arrogant. The end of study is to hoard up truth, but of meditation to lay it forth in conference or holy conversation. And you're you're primarily conversing with God. Come expecting something. Memorize God's word. Number three, obey what God tells you to do. Obey what God tells you to do. Notice in your text, if you would, in verse 2, Proverbs chapter Two in verse two, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. 
You incline your ear and you apply your heart. Now the word inclined there, the word inclined there has the idea of regarding. It really means to prick up the ears. Those of you that are hunters know the value when you're out in the field, if you're hunting deer, that when the animal pricks up his ears, that has heard something. Jordan came home for the weekend, and he brought these these dogs. They look like giraffes to me. They're the huge dogs. And uh, when they think they hear something, they, they lift up, they prick up their ears. That's what the word there means, incline. Attentiveness precedes obedience. And that's the way you must be towards the Word of God. You will never obey the Word if you're not attentive to the Word. So you incline your ears and then you apply your heart. D.O. Moody said that God did not write the Bible for your information, but for your transformation. It's application. In fact, this is where it gets exciting. This is where life changes. God, listen, God will not waste his wisdom on people that do not obey him. If you refuse to obey him, you're not going to have, in fact, that's not wise, it's destructive, but he's not going to give you wisdom. Now, listen, listen carefully. When you apply what God, even if you're not looking for wisdom, this is good, even if you're not looking for wisdom, When you're walking in obedience, you're gaining a heart of wisdom. Here's one of my favorite verses about this. Psalm 111 and verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's another pathway to wisdom, the fear of the Lord. A good understanding have all... Look at this. A good understanding... I'm going to misquote it. A good understanding have all they that know His commandments... And that's not what it says. The Bible says a good understanding have all they that do, perform, obey His commandments. God says, I give insight, I give understanding to those that do what I tell them to do. This is interesting. In, In the nation of Israel, this was their testimony. Not that they obeyed, but that they had wisdom. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 5, Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, God said. He's speaking to the nation. Even as the Lord my God commanded me, Moses is giving them these words, that ye, look at this, that ye should do so, that ye should do these statutes and judgments in the land, whether you go to possess it. And he reminds them again, keep therefore and do them. For this, that is your obedience, look at this church, is your wisdom and your understanding. This is where your wisdom comes from. In the sight of the nations, which shall, and here's what happens. They shall hear of all these statutes, and they will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for. One of the basis of their testimony was the wisdom that they had, but they weren't seeking wisdom. They were seeking God and obeying him, and God gave them wisdom kind of as a, a side, if you will. 
Now, in this obedience, in this matter of obedience, is often humility. Because when you approach the Word of God, sometimes the Bible will tell you to do something. You say, well, I can't do that. I don't have the strength to do it. I can't rejoice in this circumstance. I'm having a difficult time doing this. I can't do what God's asking, or I can't stop doing that. And that's when you humble yourself. Say, God, I need you. I need you to help me. And God helps you to do it. And you begin to walk in His Spirit. And I'm going to tell you what happens. Listen, God begins to pour His heart upon you. And in His heart is wisdom. That's why the Bible says, incline your ear, apply your heart, attentiveness precedes obedience, and obedience precedes wisdom. John chapter 7 and verse 17, the Lord Jesus said, If any man will do his will, he shall know the doctrine. Are you willing, will do, are you willing to do what God wants you to do? Then you will know what God wants you to do. I love this definition of revival by Charles Finney. He said, a revival is nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God. Revival is obedience, walking in obedience. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is a church that's lukewarm. This is not an evangelistic appeal. Are you listening? Jesus is on the outside of the church. He's, and, he, and, and he's not even in the participating in the church. He's not fellowshipping with the church. He's on the outside of the church. And he says, if any man, if one person, it doesn't take the whole church to get right with God. If one person will hear and open the door and respond and repent. Revival is a fresh step of obedience. And then last of all, I'll give you this and we'll be finished. And this really summarizes everything. As you approach the Word of God, if you want to gain a heart of, of wisdom, make seeking God the priority and the passion of your life. This is one of the conditions there, one of the ifs. Notice in verse 3, if thou criest after knowledge. Notice these desperate words. If you lift up your voice for understanding. Verse 4, if you seekest her as silver, if you searchest for her as hid treasures. Don't gloss over this. this. This is a desperate thing. This is God... I need you. You are so important to me. This is not just when I'm in trouble. Not God, I need you, but I, I want to know you. you. You are the priority. You are the passion of my life. And notice the first word there in verse 5. Then, then thou shalt understand. And he gives us the benefits there in verses 5 through 7. You'll find the knowledge of God. The Lord gives wisdom. Out of his mouth comes knowledge. He lays up sound wisdom, all of these precious gifts that it gives, there is a correlation to your having wisdom and your having a meaningful time alone with the Lord. Let me give you a few more verses in closing. 
Psalm 19 and verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. God's Word makes wise the simple. Are you simple? Man, I have been a simpleton. But you don't have to be that way. Psalm 119 and verse 30, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It, that is the word of God, giveth understanding, understanding unto the simple. And I love these words. Psalm 119, verses 97 through 100. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation. Remember that memory and meditation. It is my meditation all the day. Thou, through thy commandments, thou hast made me wiser than my enemies. For they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. And you can't, you can't meditate until you memorize. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. Do you love the Bible? Do you love the Word of God? Or do you love the God of the Word? Some people love theology, and that's why they love Bible. I've known people that love to debate, but they don't love the Lord. I love theology, and one of my my weaknesses, I was talking to my my son the other night, and he said, Daddy, you, you could have been a lawyer. Well, I don't know about that, but it can make you mean. Do you love the Word of God or do you love the God of the Word? Proverbs eight seventeen. I love them that love me. And those that seek me early shall find me. That's Proverbs eight seventeen. It's the end of a whole section on wisdom there. And that's, that's what wisdom says. Wisdom says, I love those that love me. Do you love wisdom? And wisdom is God. It's the heart of God. It's who God is. And when you seek me early, you shall find me. A.W. Tozier said, sometimes I go to God and I say, God, if thou dost never answer another prayer while I live on this earth, I will still worship thee as long as I live and in the ages to come for what thou hast done already. I like that. If he never does anything else for me, man, I got plenty, I get plenty and extra for what the Lord Jesus Christ has done in my life, for his grace and his mercy and his kindness for me. You know, David David wrote the Psalms for us, and David had a lot of insight. He made some bad mistakes. But David repented well. The Bible says the only man it said that had a man after God's own heart. But with all that he did wrong, David was a wise man, especially early in his life. In first Samuel chapter eighteen and verse five. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. What happened because of this? And Saul set him over the men of war. He got promoted. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servant because of his wisdom. In the same chapter, just a handful of verses later in verse 14, And David behaved himself wisely 
in all his ways. Look at this. And the Lord was with him. Those two things go together. In the same chapter, a few verses down in verse 30, then the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass after they went forth. Look at this. That David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name, look at this, so that his name was much set by. Now, that wasn't his goal to be famous. It wasn't his goal to have a good name. But God gave him a good name because David had insight, because he had wisdom, he had understanding. Because if you know a man who was a sweet psalmist of Israel that penned for us the Psalms, who walked with God and was a man after God's own heart. And this man, as a byproduct, the Bible says his heart was full of wisdom. The poet said this. He said, Take time to be holy. Speak off with thy Lord. Abide in him always and feed on his word. Make friends of God's children and help those who are weak. Forgetting in nothing his blessing to seek. Take time to be holy. The world rushes on. Spend much time in secret with Jesus alone. By looking to Jesus like him thou shalt be. Thy friends and thy conduct, his likeness, shall see. And it does. It takes time to be holy. And it takes time to be wise. Maybe you're here today and and you need wisdom. You need wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. And wisdom is found in this book. And you can find some wisdom just by opening it and scanning it. But I would commend you to those four action steps that I gave you. Number one, come expecting something. Come with a receiving heart. Number two, memorize the Word of God. Hide it, store it up, put a reserve away. Number three, when you come to the Word of God, obey what He has told you to do. Do what he said for you to do. And then make this the passion of your life where you're searching for it, where it's more valuable than gold and silver. And you cannot know the word of God until you know the Lord. Because you must be saved. You must be born again. You must have his spirit in you so that he can teach you this. Maybe you're here and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. You've never asked Him to come into your life and to save you. If you're here like that, would you, would you trust Him today? He, he has His arms open for you. He's speaking to you today. He wants to save you. He wants to forgive you. And if you're here today, maybe you are just bouncing around. You're just reading. It's not a meaningful time alone with the Lord. Just a moment, we're going to pray. I want you to just go inside your heart and say, God, there's one of those steps or several of those steps I'm not doing. Would you just commit to one? I would start with the first one, but commit to one. Maybe you're doing the first one. Well, find something else in there that you need to be doing. And let this be the best year you've ever, ever had with the Word of God. And God will cultivate wisdom 
in your heart. I promise you, based upon his word. Won't you pray with me? Would you do that?